1: indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand they make suits shirts coats and more and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit plus you get to personalize all the details including your lapel lining and your own monogram rj barrett rookie with the new york knicks his brand new collection with indochino just dropped Featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings, RJ helped pick out and design himself. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com. Dot .com when entering blue wire at checkout plus shipping is free that's indochino.com promo code bluewire for $30 off your total purchase of 399 or more that's an incredible deal for made to measure clothing you really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit
0: bluewire
2: New England sending in QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers.
1: going on everybody welcome back to candlestick chronicles the 49ers podcast on the blue wire network my name is chris biederman i cover the 49ers for the sacramento Bee. with me tonight it is not kyle madsen we gave him the night off it is jess root of cards wire of the usa today sports media group live from the desert jess what's going on man
2: well the weather's great out here so we're not cold we're not too hot and on the football side of things well, there's promise. It's just not turning into wins right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's understandable, and and I've been there. Jess, Jess, of course, covers the Cardinals for uh, the the wire networks over at USA uh, TSMG, and uh, and I I feel like where you're at in terms of the team you're covering is very relatable for me because uh, but before the Kyle Shanahan regime started in 2017. I mean, Kyle was the, the fourth coach in four seasons. Um, so I'm used to covering rebuilding projects. So I totally get uh, what it's like for you in, in that every off season is loaded with a ton of roster turnover. You have plenty of stuff to write about in terms of um, the, the systems changing on both sides of the ball and, and how players fit and everything like that. So I think the Cardinals are a really interesting team, and I know they're 3-6-1, and which which isn't exactly a Sterling record, but um, I think there is some promise there, and, and being in Arizona on Halloween a couple weeks ago, I think we started to see some of that, and, and some of the problems that Kyler Murray, the first overall pick, of course, can can pose for really good defenses like the 49ers, so Jess, why don't we start there? What are your impressions of, of Kyler Murray so far? What, what are the things that he does well? What are the things that maybe he needs to work on? And also, uh, another aspect of, of that question is, is what he's doing within Cliff Kingsbury's offense sustainable over, over the long term, in your opinion, based on your experience covering the league and, and how you see offenses evolve over time?
2: Well, start with just the play of Kyler Murray to start with. And the honest truth is, he has been everything and even more than what you could have hoped from a rookie quarterback. And not just a rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback who had one year of starting experience, who came out of the Big 12, where um, traditionally quarterbacks kind of come to the league and die out of that league, out of that conference, who is undersized. And he, he's a special talent is what we've seen so far um because he has the running ability of the, we haven't even touched scratched the surface to what he can do in the running game um in terms of his run talent he's been compared to Michael Vick he doesn't do it nearly as often but his throwing talent his arm talent is incredible he can make every throw and despite being 5'10" he's got enough arm strength to throw lasers down the field he has really good touch and and his accuracy and decision-making he can throw guys open uh he can read and anticipate uh honestly everything that he's done is has been impressive and and even more so is the fact of how much he's taken care of the ball you know through 10 games he has only five interceptions he hasn't lost a fumble all year um and so he hasn't had the number of touchdown passes i mean 12 touchdown passes in 10 games seems low for what some of the projections were. He right now is on pace for between 4,100 and 4,200 passing yards, which he's already broken the Cardinals rookie record of passing yards, which was set by Matt Liner way back in 2006. But if he finishes in that 4,000 range, he will be this at least the, it will be the sixth best passing season by any quarterback in team history ever wow. bested only by the three quarterback legends neil lomax uh, kurt warner and and carson palmer and he's doing it at at an at a rate in which he is throwing so few interceptions we go back to 2013 with with bruce arians and his new offense for the team and they brought over carson palmer he had um I think it was 14 interceptions in the first eight games of the season, I think, or first seven games of the season. He was a turnover machine, and that's what you can of expect out of rookie quarterbacks that he's only had five. He's been super careful with the ball. Now, one thing I haven't seen from him yet, and it felt it's felt purposeful. It feels like they've been keeping him from running, which is really interesting. He's been he is a passing quarterback and he runs when he needs to, but it's felt like they've kind of left that out of the The game plan and even the way Cliff Kingsbury talks it's like he really doesn't want him to run even though that was part of the his game that that people were really excited about coming out of college uh that said he's he's on pace to break um rushing records for Cardinals quarterbacks and the thing that that he struggled with early on in the season was making decisions quickly playing in playing in college he was able to to roam around in the backfield, wait, make plays down the field, wait for something. But the speed of the NFL is faster, and he was sacked twenty times in the first four games of the season. Almost at least half of those were because he waited too long and was he, he'd either you scramble and run out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage, counting for a sack, or he'd trip, or he'd get shoe strung. But there he never he, that this so far this year he hasn't been hit where he didn't see the sack coming. Um, since then, uh, since those first four games, he, they've now given up another 11 sacks in the next six games. So things have improved immensely. and So he's making better decisions. He's getting rid of the ball and throwing the ball away. As as, as Cliff Kingsbury said, is he, he knows when the party is over and, and decides to go with another play. They've eliminated a lot of negative plays. Not all of them. They're getting better at that. And as a result, the offense has been humming.
1: Yeah, so I, I was I was pleasantly surprised by, by the way the offense played against the 49ers in, in that Halloween game. And, and some of that, too, I mean, those Thursday nights are weird, but let's face it, but some of it, too, was was yes. the fact, I think, that the Niners' defense was pretty gassed in the second half having to travel on the short week. And then going up tempo, I think, was really smart by, by Cliff Kingsbury. And um, we saw the 49ers get gassed a little bit with, with the running game. But I, I want to get back to, to Kyler Murray – we, we didn't talk, at least on, on a podcast format, uh, about what happened in the draft and Kyler Murray measuring in at 5'10 and obviously being tall enough to, to be the number one pick by, by the Cardinals. But there was serious consideration for them to take Nick Bosa. And obviously that decision has massive ramifications on, on the future of the NFC West. And, and we're seeing the, the early beginnings of it right now. Um, how, how close do you think the Cardinals were to taking Nick Bosa just given the fact that they do need help on defense opposite Chandler Jones um and how much of a slam dunk was it for them to take Kyler I know you just spoke really highly of him and and it looks like he's going to be a really good quarterback but what was it close with with Nick Bosa and how difficult of a decision do you think that was for Cliff Kingsbury and, and the personnel department
2: well Obesa actually Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that this week um and he kind of talked a little bit about it. It sounded like they knew all along. Well, they, there there was a—I can't remember at what point it was. I know they were. The reports came out that after the combine they knew, but General Manager Steve Kime really didn't start looking at the tape till after that. He didn't want to, uh, but he fell in love with Kyler Murray, and they were they were all in love with Joe, with Nick Bosa as well. So it wasn't a case of. They, it was just that they needed a. They felt they had to take this quarterback, and and while most of the discussion was, is that everyone sort of felt that probably Josh Rosen was was promising enough, but now in hindsight, seeing what's happened to Miami, now he it sounds like Josh Rosen has really gotten the worst possible nfl situation that he could have gotten um and so we'll never really know if he's going to be good or not but at the same time he's not shown what kyler murray in 10 games has already shown and so i think it was a slam dunk once they realized what type of talent the kyler murray was at quarterback they knew they they had to take him because otherwise if they had any doubt about rosen at all if you have Rosen at quarterback and he's eh, but you have Nick Bosa, sure you've got this great defense, but then you're the Denver Broncos. <laughs> They're the right, Denver Broncos right. with with Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, and you've got two elite edge rushers, but you have a, a pathetic offense.
1: That's understandable. Yeah, I, I do I do get that decision. And and when you can get a franchise quarterback who is a perfect fit for your for your offense that that's what you should do and and I was a fan of of the pick by Arizona um and and it happened to work out really well for the 49ers and it was funny because at the combine and and everything leading up to the draft you know it was clear the Niners were not going to take a quarterback but you would get Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch being like oh man I'll just put on Kyler Murray's tape just for fun because he's so exciting to watch and and he's so much fun to watch I just love watching the all 22 and stuff like that it's like come on man (laughs) <laughs> like we, we, we know what you're doing here. We know, we know Bosa's your guy, and, uh, and you're trying to do whatever you can to, to pump up the stock of Kyler Murray. Uh, whether you know, it would be the Cardinals taking him or maybe the 49ers trading back to another team that would want to take him with the two pick if Bosa did go one. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave? Well, it hasn't changed all that much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's is a return to the essential quality durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century which means you get incredibly high-quality blades at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, and there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash blue wire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to start shaving better today. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com. Slash blue wire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to getromancom Roman.com slash blue wire to get a free online visit and free two day shipping. That's getroman.com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash blue wire. So that's that's some of the funny things. Those are some of the funny things that, that happened leading up to the draft. But back to uh, back to the Cardinals and and what to look forward to um, on Sunday when they come to Levi's Stadium. What's going on with David Johnson? Because from afar, and I'll admit I haven't done a ton of research uh, on what's going what's happening with him. But he did have a few carries last week in their uh, game in Tampa Bay, and this was a guy that got a huge contract, was considered to be one of the best offensive weapons in the league for a while. Um, He's dealt with his share of injuries and now he's, now he's sort of an afterthought after, after the Cardinals acquired Kenyon Drake. So uh, why why don't you explain to me and anybody else who is confused by, by everything that's happened with David Johnson (laughs) over these last few months?
2: Well, it's, it is puzzling. And, Even those people in the organization, when people are asked what's wrong with David Johnson, they say they don't know. They honestly don't know because he is in terms of I I can explain some of this stuff. So um, if we want to take it back to the end of 2016, so we really haven't seen the same David Johnson since 2016. And what happened in the very last game against the Rams in week 17, he injured his knee. And it looked like it looked brutally bad. And it turned out to be just like an MCL. It took us about six weeks to, to recover. But then in 2017, in game one against the the Lions, when he when he broke his hand, his wrist, or whatever the, the injury exactly was, he didn't look good then. Now, Detroit had a pretty solid defense at the time. He got hurt and didn't play it again in 2017. Last season, there was no explosiveness at all. But then he was playing on a historically bad offense with a terrible offensive line that was running on its third and fourth string players at some positions in an offensive scheme that was, you know, we're talking late '90s, early 2000s in terms of philosophy under Mike McCoy, and he was being asked to run up the middle in bunch for in tight formations, um, as opposed to you know putting him in space, which is Bruce Arians did and lining him out at. At wide receiver, out in the slot to make plays. Okay. His running looks different now. He doesn't seem to be running with the same explosiveness. Now he is playing in his third offensive season, third offensive system in as many years. Now, granted, the Arian system he knew pretty well. Last year he was learning a new one. He's learning a new one this year. That's not necessarily an excuse for a player who's in his fifth year, but you can he's running the ball right now like a, like a man who isn't super comfortable and he's now had one two three four running backs coaches in the last four or five years he went from stump mitchell with the cardinals who really helped him sort of explode to Freight kitchens to um can't remember the name of the guy who was it last year can't get off the top of my head um to now he's got jim james saxon who is who was Le'Veon bell's running backs coach at Pittsburgh. And and if you watch David Johnson run, you get kind of a vibe that he's trying to run with patience to wait for something to develop before. And we see Lev Bell do that all the time. He's he's incredibly patient. Like he's kind of dancing around, dancing around. And then he goes Johnson just hasn't had a chance to go yet. Now, if you want to look at his production, his production has been down across the board, but at the same time, before he got hurt, uh, through six games of the season, I think it was. Or was it was one, but it was before he got hurt. He was still tenth in the league in the yards from scrimmage. So it wasn't like he was being bad. He was just not running the ball great. And and I'm going to point to a few things. Now he five game, five carries for two yards. That's not going to cut it. And then one carry for two yards in the last game. That's not going to cut it. Especially when you got Kenyon Drake coming in and, and you know in his debut rushing for. 110 against the 49ers off the bat. And he was doing that off of three days of experience in the offense. And so it looks really bad for Johnson. But if you look at his production, he has had solid production in the running game. If he's gotten volume, if he's had 15 carries or more, he was averaging over four yards a carry and he was producing the yards. And then on top of that, we've had big games where he was dynamic and the passing game. Um, he seems right now to be kind of lost his way. I, I don't, I don't know if it's just that Cliff Kingsbury has kind of lost faith in him and, and he was actually benched after the fumble against the Bucks. Um, it looks like he right now, Kingsbury loves the juice that Drake brings to the offense. And so we're going to have to see how that goes with David Johnson. Obviously the Bucs had the, the, the league's best run defense, but they didn't use him lined up at receiver either where he really, true. that's actually what where he's best. He's a good running out of a spread formations. Um, he can get something, he's he's not running with the same, he doesn't seem to have the same explosiveness. We haven't seen the jump cut or the, the elusive, the, the great stiff arm he had from a couple years, a couple, three years ago. But he he still is a great route runner and a great pass catcher, and that seems to have been lost in the last few games. But Cardinals fans aren't aren't real happy with him right now. They're they're kind of disenchanted with him. They're kind of losing faith, and especially in the games he was out the the two games up until last week against the Giants, Chase Edmonds ran for 126, and then Kenyon Drake and that was his first real heavy load of his entire career 126 and three touchdowns and then kenya drake comes in rushes for 36 yards his first carry and 110 yards and a touchdown in his debut and it makes you makes johnson look like hey we're just able to plug running backs in and they're going for 110 120 yards well, there, what's up with david johnson
1: there, there's also the contract that, that i just pulled up it was a it was a three-year 39 million dollar extension he signed in september 2018 um, the guaranteed salary in 2019 isn't terrible. It's 5.7 million. Um, obviously, you can't get off of that contract right now because there's 18.9 million in dead money if you do. Uh, but there's 10.2 million in guaranteed money for next year, uh, and then 13.2 in dead money if you try to release him with a post June one designation. Um, I understand why there would be angst because that's a that's a massive. 14.25 million dollar cap hit for next season and this is a guy who I mean I I, I understand why fans would be frustrated given the production relative to the contract uh, is is there any way that that the Cardinals can move off of this or is this just going to be some money that they're going to have to eat over the next couple of years whether he's on the team or not
2: well cutting him is pretty much out of the question huh. <laughs> Uh, cutting him is not going to work. You you can, if they're somehow, if they decide to move on, from, if they can trade him, then it's not so bad because that guaranteed salary part goes to another team and then all you're left with is the $6 million in dead money from the signing bonus. Maybe Bruxerians will be interested. Hey, maybe. They, maybe. They, uh,
1: they could use a running back in Tampa Bay, I would guess.
2: That said... Uh, I'm. At, I'll go with wait and see because we we don't know what we're going to see from Kenyon Drake for the rest of the season, sure. and and he's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, but we obviously want to see something because what like what what Steve Kime did with Tyron Matthew a few years ago that's not going to work because this one is significantly more. Now as of right now it's I believe it says that half of his salary next year is already guaranteed. I don't know at one point it becomes fully guaranteed. Okay. Um. Because as of right now, five point one is is fully guaranteed for next year, um, and then and the, the way is the structure is set up is that in March, um, part of his twenty twenty one salary becomes fully guaranteed. It was it was a well structured deal to get him some guaranteed money uh, going into that. Now no one thought he was going to fall off the table in terms of production. So does he have a place? I I think. He needs a little bit of success, and and what kind of my hope is is that he's not the current version of Matt Leinart. Uh and I mean it the, the like running this, running back version, right? Because Matt Leinart his rookie year showed all sorts of promise. Now they fired Denny Green after that. He also got hurt. He he broke his collarbone, and and so he comes back. Ken Wizenhunt didn't have the same belief in Leinart, and the second that Ken Wizenhunt made, put him in a situation where he had to compete. He, he didn't produce the same way. And, and going back Pete Carroll, I believe said the same thing about him back at USC is that he really kind of struggled when he had to kind of prove himself. But once someone showed faith, okay, he, he, he flourished. That's, I guess that's probably kind of a flaw in an in a pro athlete because competition is sort of the end all be all in every situation. And now that Johnson doesn't necessarily have the complete faith of his coach, we will have to see how he reacts. Now, I think I think the best scenario if he doesn't continue, if he doesn't, if he doesn't ever bounce back, is to trade him somewhere for a bag of chips or a late round pick or well, or something. You
1: might have to attach a pick to him. It's
2: it's it's possible. To, to get it off is of possible that to do that, but. They do um, Technically, they do have plenty of money looking ahead in 2022 to accommodate for his salary, uh, depending on how much how many resources they throw at the running back position. They still have Chase Edmonds, who's on his rookie deal. I don't know what kind of contract the Kenyon Drake, if they want to resign, if he's going to command what he's going to command. I, I, based on one good game, I don't know if he's going to get the same attention, say, like we could, what the 49ers threw at Jarrett McKinnon. Or the Lamar Miller situation, when they were really kind of a number two the whole time, and then someone threw money to be a starter. I don't know if you'll get that from Drake.
1: Yeah, so it's it's an interesting dilemma the the Cardinals find themselves in. I I do want to switch to the defensive side um, because looking at the, I mean, looking at the point spread first of all, um, it's I think it started at eleven and a half points, and now it's down to ten and a half, which uh, I mean, the 49ers are clearly one of the best teams in the conference. The, the record is proves that and, and what they've done so far, obviously. Um, and they should be heavy favorites at home. But I'm looking at this game with the possibility that they might be without Emmanuel Sanders, who had uh, over 100 yards and, and a touchdown in that game two weeks ago on Halloween, and the Niners are in all likelihood not going to have George Kittle, who we learned on Monday night is probably – the most important non-quarterback, non-quarterback player on, on their offense. So the 49ers weren't able to move the ball very well against the Seahawks. And the Seahawks are basically a defensive institution as long as Pete Carroll's there. The Cardinals clearly are not. Um, they allowed 411 total yards to the Niners a couple weeks ago. They allowed 457 last week to Jameis Winston and the Bucks, who scored 30 points. Um, they did get three turnovers. Or three takeaways, I should say. So, where are you at with the defense? What, what's the status of, of some of the key guys? I know Patrick Peterson is a little nicked up right now. I think he returned to practice today on Thursday. Is it true he's never missed a game in his career?
2: To injury, correct. Wow. He's never missed a game because of yeah, injury. He was suspended he, That was dating history. back in – yeah, he was suspended. But back in 2014, I think it was, Right. Um, he dealt with some – some left. He had some. He had issues with diabetes. He, I found out it was diabetes after the fact. And and there was there were a couple of games where he had an ankle issue that might have sidelined it, but he played through it. So no, this and he's not going to miss this game. Sure. Vance Joseph said today he's going to play. Um, so, but I, I, it looked like I was afraid that with last week because of the time off and then the three games in eleven days type of situation that. Or the there's the three games in the in the in the time period that they have that things were going to not be so good for for Patrick. And I thought that he was actually gonna miss some time. That said, the defense is bad. There I mean, there's there's no good way to go about this because they've given up more than twenty-five points in every single game this year. They have given up over a hundred yards rushing, I believe, in every single game this year. Um they didn't get an interception until their seventh game of the season. Uh, it sounds like the they are doing okay. Last year, Oh, jeez, yes, <laughs> and and the thing is, I don't know what to make of this defense because last year they were bad. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they were bad. They were terrible against the run, and everyone talked about. Oh, they're playing a 4-3. Steve Wilkes, defensive system, stakes. We need to get back to an attacking 3-4 defense. So that's what they did. They brought Vance Joseph in. And their defense is statistically even worse. Now, in fairness, a lot of the moves they made just flat didn't work out. Robert Kimdichie came into camp. Now, he wasn't going to be available until about midseason anyway, but he came in out of shape, fat, and so yeah, he got cut. Darius Phylon was looking great. Darius Phylon looked so great in camp. And then... Apparently he decided to allegedly threaten women with a weapon at oh, a strip geez. club, and so he got cut. <laughs> uh, he was and so the defensive line has just lacked some talent. The linebacking core, so you're getting great production from Chandler Jones. Jordan Hicks has been productive. He's been very good, but that other linebacker spot, Hassan Reddick, the this is disappointed as a first round pick. He obviously if you if you look at what he was, he came out of high school as a defensive back. He grew and he became an edge rusher at Temple. Now in college, he's undersized. So he's what 6'2" 243. That's 6'2", 6'2" 245 with 235 240 in there. So that's your inside linebacker speed mm-hmm. and that build. He's not big enough to play the edge. And when he played the edge his rookie year out of necessity, when Marcus Golden tore his ACL, he wasn't all that productive. But he's also still, he he went from playing inside backer to outside backer to 4-3 outside backer to now 3-4 inside backer again. And the, the guy just has zero instincts as a linebacker. Mm-hmm. He has all the athleticism in the world. And he basically got benched in base sets right before the last San Francisco game, or they actually came the week before that, because any team that runs any sort of misdirection motion or anything other than straight at him in the running game he loses it and so he breaks contain he'll be in the wrong spot and and he'll he won't fit the run he does have the athleticism to play in the past, but he still makes mistakes so he's got the athleticism to make plays in coverage so linebacker inside linebacker has been a mess they were without Patrick Peterson for the first 6 games Veteran safety DJ Swearinger was terrible to start the season, and they cut him. And so they're now playing with Buddebaker, who's been fantastic the last several weeks. Yeah, he was and really good that
1: game uh, until George Kittle stiff-armed him yeah for that touchdown that's game. right
2: he, he it was an, and you can't you can't expect anyone to shut down George Kittle right. honestly <laughs> you can't do it but he made some great plays and then Kittle made a couple of plays and embarrassed him but still it, overall it was a great he's playing great ball but they've got another pair of rookies that they rotate at the other safety spot one's a fifth round pick this year and one's a supplemental pick that they picked up this year so they're playing young guys and honestly they just don't have the talent and I think when you look at the scheme between the last two seasons and you're getting similar performance clearly it's more of a talent thing unless you're saying it's coaching two years in a row mm-hmm. that said that said at this point of the year you you shouldn't still because defenses and new systems usually start gelling after week eight it's not happening so something's got to the only bright spot to this defense is Chandler Jones and even he for the first before the the Giants game when he when he busted loose for however many thousand sacks he had on Daniel Jones he was he he consistently gets a sack a game that's almost a given he's going to get a sack a game but sometimes that he he doesn't do much else right now he leads the league in, in forced fumbles so he's got five strip sacks i think maybe six he's got 11 to 5 and a half sacks so he's the only thing that is the bright spot on this defense um so yeah and so they the, the defense like-
1: the thing it sounds like you the the cardinals are a long ways away maybe from from being able you know to. well so, so uh, we're not like uh, i think
2: this team only needs the, if the offense is what we believe it's going to be because it looks like it is they they put up 27 points last week and we're one of 10 on third down and we're one of four in the red zone Mm-hmm. that's insane. So this, this is an offense that still hasn't even scratched the surface. They've scored 25 points five in five, at least 25 in five of the last six games. They're the only team, they're the only offense to put more than 20 points on the board against the Niners. Um, mm-hmm. the, there is a whole sure. bunch of first the things that the Cardinals did offensively against the Niners. It's a short week and everything, but the offense looks good. If mm-hmm. this defense were even ranked 22nd, 21st, or 20th, um my co-host on the on the podcast i have i don't know where he got it but he, he was reading he said if this defense were ranked in the like 20th they'd be seven and three right now they'd be a they'd be a playoff team sure. and i think that's if we look at bigger picture they talked a big game about returning to a top 10 defense this defense does not need to be great they just need to be competent and they haven't been competent
1: yeah well so i want to uh I want to wrap, wrap this up here with uh, with your prediction. I, I do think the Niners are probably going to win, but the Niners are really banged up, and I think that uh, double-digit spread is um, that's a lot of points, considering oh that gosh, the 49ers yes. weren't able to move the ball really at all on Monday night without George Kittle and, and Emmanuel Sanders. And obviously Monday was the first time they, they've been without Kittle since his rookie season. Um, and so he's just a really important piece of, of what they do, obviously. And, and he's not going to play in all likelihood on, on Sunday. So I think there's a chance the 49ers offense might struggle, particularly if, if Arizona can figure out ways to slow the run. And I know it doesn't sound like you're too optimistic about that, but the Niners are going to be without Kittle, who's their best run blocker, and Joe Staley. Um, Matt Breida might not play because he's got an ankle injury. Kyle ushick would return the fullback returned on, on Monday for the, for the first time in five weeks. Um, so I do think this might be more of a problematic game um, than the point spread would indicate, but I am expecting the 49ers to win, and I do think they're going to play with a pretty significant edge because they're going to be a little bit pissed off about how that Monday night game. But I'm curious as to your prediction, being that you're around the Cardinals and, and uh, what, what um, y- you have a good, good feel for where they're at at this point in the year.
2: Well, what I see from the Cardinals is well, this is this is the perfect opportunity to to steal a win. I I can't I can't predict that they're going to win, but I can see a scenario in which. I, but I think it's going to be a close game. I do. Um, mm-hmm. Cardinals have done that most of the year. I mean, in terms of betting stats, the Cardinals are three six and one in real life. They're seven and three against the point spread this year, and so. Part of that is just a lack of confidence in Vegas in the Cardinals in general and what they can to do, but they've been very competitive. And so you you based on that, at least they're not far off. They're competitive. I I do think that now, and 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 I was talking about this with, with my co-host on my show, as this might be a game, like if if the 49ers are looking at the big picture of their schedule. Do they want to rest more guys this week against a Cardinals team? They may, might win to face their, the next part of the schedule. they have like the Packers and the Saints? Three three
1: straight first place teams coming up.
2: And so it, one, maybe a trap game, but between, look at all these offensive players that they're going to be missing. Um, With Breida, maybe not. Like you're talking, if, they, if they're missing all of these guys, they're, what, it's like six starters they're probably going to be missing between Kittle and Sanders and Breida and Staley. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you got D.J. Jones uh, on the defensive interior. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a whole bunch of players missing. It's the perfect opportunity to, for the Cardinals, who offensively, they can move the ball, is to be able to do something defensively, at least to limit Jimmy Garoppolo. Because he looked like a, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, like, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo's as good as he was against the Cardinals? I don't think anyone thinks he's that good. But he
1: can do it. He's he's done I expect that he's he, never thrown four touchdown passes before. That was the first time he did that. <laughs> but he had he had a few games that were that were at that level in twenty seventeen, which is why the forty nine were so. Doesn't eager he to give feel him that like contract.
2: the second iteration of Alex Smith in some
1: ways? No, I think uh, in terms I of think the... there's more Tony Romo to his game. Okay, that's a good comparison. The now, guy Tony Romo, kind of a I gunslinger. absolutely loved. Will will make a lot. We'll, we'll try to make a lot of plays. We'll throw some bad interceptions, but we'll always err on the side of trying to fit a ball in a window that might not be there. Um, but the result of it will be a lot of interceptions and a lot of really incredible throws. Um, so and so he's
2: he's good enough that if you've got the right team around him you can win. Like a really good defense. Probably, probably no he's really not gonna be the thing, yeah. he's not gonna be the reason why you why the forty ers win a championship, but he's not gonna be be the reason why they're bad.
1: Yeah. I mean it remains to be seen. We we've seen uh we've seen <laughs> Joe Flacco and Nick Foles um, you know, go, go a little bit back farther. We've you know, Trent Dilfer's won a Super Bowl. I, yes I think uh it, it tremendous defenses. That,
2: that's the, that's the saving grace is that the 49ers are that good defensively. Now, my prediction, 28-27 yeah. San Francisco. I think it'll come down oh, to one the wire. Point. But and ultimately, one point I think wow. it'll be a one point game. I don't think it'll be. And either it will be and and notice how I took out the kicker potential. <laughs>
1: yeah that's, 28 that's points the other That's the other <laughs> issue. That's Robbie gold might not yeah win. Oh yeah,
2: that's the other part is Robbie Gould. Like without Robbie Gould. Now granted. Gould, Gould hasn't been super.
1: Yeah, he's been bad. He's
2: been he's not been great this year. <laughs> yeah. But when, but when you look at look McLaughlin and that that pressure kick,
1: ooh, yeah. If,
2: and I've seen all the memes
1: if, and all if that, the Niners. It was if, so bad. If it was that close um, against the Cardinals and and the the Niners are in danger of losing that game, um, the entire Bay Area might collapse in on itself because this week was one of the more interesting weeks in terms of. Um, Twitter reaction and and everything that went wrong um, I do just want to say as the week's gone on the more uh, I feel like the loss was is probably less important in the grand scheme of things just just looking at how it went because you don't have George Kittle you don't have Emmanuel Sanders uh, the only times C- the Seattle Seahawks scored a touchdowns were off of turnovers they had 21 points off turnovers and the Niners defense held them up, I think, just to a couple field goals on like 13 possessions or something like that, uh, which, and the Seahawks had one of the best offenses in the league, but um, yeah, I, I just don't think the Niners should be all that concerned about that game. I know it was a bad loss and and they had an opportunity to win it, obviously with a kick in overtime, but if they're healthy, which they're aiming to be, they're trying to get their guys healthy, which I think is a reason why Kittle's not going to play Sunday, they'll be better down the road. So that being said, I know that was that was kind of a weird time to go on a tangent uh, about an old game, but <laughs> Jess, I do want to thank you for um, for coming on with us this week on short notice, and uh, and why don't you plug your plug all your work and uh, where people can find it?
2: Well, if you're familiar with Kyle's work on Niners Wire, you can find my 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 writing on Cards Wire. We're it's the sister site there in the NFC West. Um, if, you, if you're ever interested in listening to a Cardinals podcast, we've got the Rise Up Sea red podcast. I don't know why Niners fans would want to listen to the Cardinals podcast, but if you're out there, There's give it a try. You can find our the Rise Up Sea red podcast on any of the plat- podcast platforms out there.
1: All right, Jess, thanks a lot for, uh, for joining us. And uh, Kyle and I will be back early next week to recap this game and, and talk about all the stuff that happened. And uh, we'll talk to you guys then.
2: All right. Thanks for having me on.
0: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.